Hey, everybody, it's Matt. Be sure to join me and our team for a very special event, our annual Welcome to Greater Philadelphia Gathering. This is one of Select Greater Philadelphia's signature events, where we welcome new and recently relocated organizations and leaders to our community. You'll enjoy some great food and refreshments while connecting with our region's top academic, business, and civic leaders. This novel gathering, it provides us all the chance to say, welcome to the neighborhood, to our new colleagues who chose to grow their businesses and careers in Greater Philadelphia. Our exclusive location for 2019, it's extra special. The new corporate headquarters for Entercom, the leading media and entertainment company of highly rated, award-winning radio stations, digital platforms, and live events, including this podcast. And the Entercom team, well, they call Greater Philadelphia their home too. This special gathering is made possible thanks to Comcast, TD Bank, Berkshire Hathaway Fox Roach Home Services, the H&K Group, and the Entercom and Radio.com teams. We're all set. Thursday, November 19th, it will be an evening filled with meaningful conversations and new friendships. Register today for Welcome to Greater Philadelphia at chamberphl.com slash welcome19. That's chamberphl.com slash welcome19. This is Growing Greater. Growing Greater. Bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Advancing health, enriching education, strengthening faith, elevating humanity, sustaining the environment, expanding arts and culture, all of these activities and more. It's the expertise of the team at CCS Fundraising. And on this episode of Growing Greater, we're joined by Greg Hagen. He's partner and managing director for the Philadelphia region at CCS Fundraising. Greg and his team, they focus on raising capital with and for nonprofits so those organizations can deliver on their goals regionally, nationally, and globally. It's all about strategic consulting and fundraising management. Greg has designed, advised, and directed more than 100 resource development initiatives and capital campaigns that have collectively raised over $10 billion. Now, the focus of the CCS fundraising team, it's pretty straightforward. And here, Greg describes their work. Basically, we help nonprofit organizations raise money. Simply stated, CCS fundraising is the leading strategy fundraising firm in the business, globally speaking. And essentially, we partner with amazing leaders and champions within different cities and markets and countries to help them focus and clarify the solutions to the problems that they're addressing. And that might be in health, that might be in education, that might be in housing or global development. And we really partner with these CEOs and these boards of directors Mm -hmm. to help them refine and articulate what is their unique philanthropic value proposition. So how are they going to position themselves in an excitable way with credibility, with promise, with vision to inspire voluntary support? Mm -hmm. Because after all, the donors or the funders or investors, as we were talking about, they don't have to give anything. Right. 
they could say good luck. They could attend an event. They could purchase a ticket, and that's their good deed. And this is for somebody else. But really, where there's a lot of passion and a philanthropic inclination to begin with, we help them raise this capital among loyal donors and new prospective donors altogether. And the profession and the industry and the art and science of fundraising continues to reinvent itself. So there's some things that we see are time true and tested, battle tested, so to speak, and some things emerge with a new demographic set or generation or economy or technology. So it's it's really an exciting place to be and an exciting place to have a career. Like any industry, I really appreciate your description because it is an evolving industry. To your point, what works today may not have even been thought of 10, 20 years or so ago in the fundraising industry and the value that you and your team at CCS are providing your clients. So I really appreciate where you're coming from in in terms of describing the organization. Greg, before we get into some of the nuances of the work that you do every day, I always like to start with a little bit of a story around who you are. So share with us Greg Hagen. Well, Greg Hagen is a devoted husband and father and son and friend and relative altogether and neighbor. And I think about my life in a number of different ways as kind of the person I am with my family and how that relates to my career at CCS and my community interests at Wayne Presbyterian Church and on the board of Fairmount Park Conservancy and the teaching that I'm fortunate to pursue at the University of Pennsylvania at the School of Social Policy and Practice mm-hmm. and at the Wharton School and then also somebody who likes to paddleboard and snowboard and play soccer and read books and play chess with my daughters and just kind of hang out and barbecue and have a beer every now and again. Right. I think I want to hang out with Greg again. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> Not everybody would say that. I appreciate you saying that. Right. Your journey in life is an exciting one, I have to say, based on the little information that I know and appreciate about how you came to be where you are, both personally and professionally. And I would love for you to take us back to how you found yourself 12 years or so ago being asked to join and build the operation in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was an exciting time. I was first assigned to Philadelphia as part of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. They were a client partnership of ours on a campaign that raised several hundred million dollars, and we had a significant team on the CCS side and on the Archdiocesan side, and our firm has worked in Philadelphia since the 1950s. But in many ways, it was really building on the success of that truly extraordinary capital and endowment campaign whereby we were able to build a great network. Mm -hmm. We were able to recruit from some of the terrific schools that we've talked about. We were able to build out our client services and operations because of, it's no surprise, the Meds and Eds community here. And Philadelphia is one of the most generous cities in the country, which might be contrary to popular opinion because sometimes at least some of the policy wonks get into, well, as a percentage of disposable income, Philly isn't that generous. And I get all that. Mm -hmm. There's magic in the numbers sometimes. But the reality is Pennsylvania as a state is like number seven, six or seven in the country in terms of the most philanthropy that flows through here. And if you look at 
Philadelphia just as a giving market, mm-hmm. and Pennsylvania is a state, but Philadelphia is a giving market. It's always in the top 10 as well. So my point is there's a great need in terms of nonprofit services, mm-hmm. and there's a great spirit and resilience of generosity mm-hmm. among individuals and foundations and corporations. We can do better. Yep. We're always striving to do better as a community. Yep. But there's a real sense of civic engagement and responsibility and philanthropic inclination in this city that I personally love. And, and as a company, it's been great for business, too, that we could add value to our client partners in that way. So take us back to, I'll make it up, 2007. You had a milestone moment. A colleague came to you and said, Greg, we have this fabulous opportunity in greater Philadelphia. We'd love for you to consider relocating and becoming part of the leadership team, partly for the archdiocesan account, but also to build out this practice. How meaningful was it for you? And how much of what you just described about Pennsylvania and greater Philadelphia's characteristics as a philanthropic community played into your decision? Yeah, it was a great opportunity at the time to lead a big campaign, to manage a very talented staff, to have decision power over a budget of how we were going to invest our resources to make the campaign successful for a number of vital initiatives and services throughout 12-county region, to your point. And I was asked by one of the owners, one of the partners of the company at the time, and said, Greg, we'd really like you to run this campaign. It's very important to us and to the community. And this is what we know about Philadelphia. And this is why it's a special place to work. And it's exciting from a commercial and a business perspective as well. And really ran with it and pretty soon realized that Philadelphia is a gritty city. It's a smart city. It's a city of authenticity and mm-hmm. of heritage and of promise and dynamism and all these other things. I mean, there's pros and cons of everything, right? Your positive can also be your negative at the same time. And sure. there's a lot of challenge and frustration at times in this city, but there's more than anything, I see promise, I see talent, I see opportunity, I see potential, and I see a very dynamic outlook for Philadelphia. And I think that's only increased almost exponentially Mm -hmm. in the last dozen or so years. That's what I saw at that age and at that time in that project. Now, hopefully a little more mature with a a few more age and a few more gray hairs at this point. But now with a bit wider of a lens, not just in the faith-based sector, but also education and healthcare and culture and arts, For example, just about 10 days ago, our firm and so myself as lead co-hosted a very special philanthropic discussion at the Barnes Foundation. Mm -hmm. And hats off to those folks, an amazing cultural jewel and asset in the the city of Philadelphia that in some ways is more renowned internationally and nationally than it's here. But it's an incredible place. And we had a discussion about the local climate for giving. And we mm-hmm. had a professor from Harvard come down and a professor from Penn and Keith Leapart, head of the Lenfest Foundation sure. and the head of all giving and philanthropy and impact from Bank of America flew up from Charlotte and mm-hmm. people are genuinely excited. An audience, a crowd of about a hundred nonprofit philanthropic and social impact leaders mm-hmm. convening to learn more about the giving terrain and how to solve some of the more vexing problems in this city and really coming together with a spirit of collegiality and commitment mm-hmm. and resourcefulness. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, it, it, you know, just a couple of weeks ago and I'm still buzzing about it because yeah. it, it just felt good. It felt right. 
I can feel the energy that's still emanating from you from that experience. <laughs> Seriously, you're passionate about it, and I can sure tell you, you're yeah. passionate about what you do. I am. And Greg, I have to ask one of my favorite questions. CCS, does it stand for anything? What's it, the secret behind it the name? It does. It's in the operating agreement, so I really can't tell you. Is that right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. You, Community. You'd be, su- <laughs> be surprised how many times I get that question. Try that the answer. straight face, yeah. the poker face. Can't hold it for long. So it stands for Community Counseling Service. CCS was founded just after World War II in mm-hmm. 1947 by three social workers mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. And their mandate at the time, their mission, which I believe lives on today, is to help nonprofits elevate their own mm-hmm. missions and finance and fuel their own growth and vision, promise, and mission potential. And founded by three social workers who are trying to help churches and hospitals mm-hmm. and schools. Deliver on their missions. Deliver on their mission. Yeah. They want healthier communities. They want a more educated populace. They want more faithful congregants. Yeah. We're going to stitch their local neighborhoods together with civic engagement and otherwise. And from that, from three founders, whatever that is, 72 plus years mm-hmm. ago, we've now grown considerably. We have nearly 450 employees and we have 11 owners and team leaders of which I am one, leading our Philadelphia operation, as well as our Toronto and our Sydney operations. But my home base is in the Philadelphia market. And that's really how we've expanded over time. So Community Counseling Service, LLC, also known now more commonly as CCS and or CCS Fundraising. And was it always focused on fundraising or was it more on strategic development to your point and to the name counseling services? How do we help these organizations be more successful? And then it evolved into, you know, specifically a fundraising message or, or was it always fundraising's at the core and we can help in other ways too? More the latter. Fund development, capital raising, fundraising has always been at the core and a focus and a very particular way. Mm -hmm. It also involves and is necessitated by strategic planning Mm -hmm. and business planning and talent attraction, retention, and empowerment and data analytics for prospect identification, evaluation, and engagement Mm -hmm. and donor and political mapping. So there are all these other factors, but at the end of the day, we really strive to help our clients grow their impact, mm-hmm. to magnify their impact in the world. And there are a number of things that's required in terms of do they have the visibility and a positive perception? Do they have a compelling case for philanthropic support and investment? Do they have the right leadership team in place operating and relating in the right capacities? Mm-hmm. Do they have the available funding streams and revenue sources as you kick-started this conversation, Matt? Mm-hmm. Do they have the right plan in right. place, the right goals, the right performance indicators, the right timetables, and then ultimately the best management team possible? So mm-hmm. we're involved in those five or six dimensions, all with a focus on raising more capital to advance, empower, and grow their strategic missions. That makes perfect sense. And you had mentioned 450 employees, an office in Toronto. Build that out a little bit more for us. How big is the shop? Right. So 450 employees, we have close to 15 or 16 offices Mm -hmm. at this time. We've done work in over 40 countries. We have employees that speak over 25 languages. Wow. It's a very competitive place at this time to land a job and to be successful. Mm -hmm. Like most of the other consultancies, we take great 
pride in that. Our human capital, that is our asset. Sure. Those are your best our assets, assets. Our sure. best assets. So we think about that very carefully. And we've worked with the full spectrum of 501c3 organizations mm-hmm. from foundations and associations and environmental groups, whether I mention the Barnes Foundation or National Audubon Society or the Nature Conservancy, mention the archdiocese on the other side of the spectrum, faith-based, it still really grabs the lion's share of philanthropic support. We've worked with Temple University, National Constitution Center, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Orchestra. So these have all been great clients of ours. And I mention all those by name because those are representative institutions in our other cities as well, whether it's Boston or New York or right. Chicago or Seattle or San Francisco, LA, Toronto, London. We have these similar kinds of operations and successes and talent and client services in each of those cities. So truly a global firm with room for continued growth, especially in some of the growth markets, whether it's right here in the States, meaning Houston or Miami or Phoenix or Denver, continued development in Boston, and then overseas as well. That could be Singapore, that could be Hong Kong, that could build on our Sydney operations. Across America, the United Way is working to make sure every family has enough food to eat every day. Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. Habitat for Humanity is at work in your community and around the world. Through Shelter, we empower. These are just a few of the notable partnerships that Greg and his team at CCS Fundraising are working hard to help ensure success in delivering their mission. Through strategic consulting and fundraising management, CCS positively impacts tens of millions of lives across the world and their impact continues to grow. Speaking of positive impact, it reminds me of the team at the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. They actively help us attract new companies and new jobs to our region, and they help support this podcast. PHLCVB, they are the official tourism promotion agency for the city of Philadelphia globally, and they serve as the primary sales and marketing agency for the Pennsylvania Convention Center. PHLCVB is an economic engine for the city and all of greater Philadelphia, creating jobs and fueling the economy by bringing meetings, conventions, and travelers to southeastern Pennsylvania and across the region. The Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. They serve as the connector for meeting planners, conference attendees, tour operators, travelers, and their very own PHLCVB members. Learn more at discoverphl.com. That's discoverphl.com. And join me in thanking the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Now let's get back to our conversation with Greg. I want to shift back to kind of your milestone moment with the team at CCS Fundraising. How did you stumble upon this opportunity to work with this team, if that's the right terminology to use? Yeah, I think it is. I had the opportunity. I was fortunate over 16 years ago. It'll be 17 years total this December. Mm-hmm to make a connection with one of the vice presidents of the company at the time, and that was New York based, mm-hmm. and got involved with the firm and worked really, really hard and a lot of long hours and started to value the importance of course of hard work and mm-hmm. goal setting and commitment to team, commitment to winning the right ethics, winning and raising the money in the right way, the most ethical way, the best way for the client. and for our own team members and have had just some tremendous mentors 
at the firm and outside the firm along the way. We mentioned Craig Carnaroli and a sure. few other individuals who have been terrific. But I would say a breakthrough moment with a team in Philadelphia, back to some of our conversation earlier, probably would have been that 2014 to 2016 moment. I went back to school through the executive MBA program at mm -hmm. Wharton. Nice. And at the time, my wife and I, we have two daughters who are seven and eight now that Mary will be nine next month. But at the time, they would have been whatever that is, three and five and then four and six. And so we're raising a young family. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, a very demanding job mm -hmm. in CCS and yep. also was finishing out my last term on the board of directors at Habitat for Humanity. I was president of the board at that time, mm -hmm. locally in Philadelphia. Yep. And then also starting to get into teaching as a lecturer in earnest, my second year into that at the University of Pennsylvania. But it was really coming through this curve, this two-year period at Wharton, where I learned a lot about myself. I was humbled in more ways than I could have ever imagined. Sure. And then almost built back up again, yeah. <laughs> renewed in a different kind of capacity and learned very, very clearly and experientially where my best strengths are and where some of my blind spots are and my weaknesses. And I just say that because that experience and one class and one professor in particular, a great number, but Stu Friedman with total leadership, mm -hmm. really encouraging me and encouraging the class to think in those dimensions of mm -hmm. family and career and community and self. Nice. That was a powerful model and philosophy for me. And it it kind of served as a catalyst in a number of ways, completing that program mm -hmm. successfully because of the love and the friendship and the support of my wife and family and friends and colleagues and community. And just coming through that program with a renewed sense of energy and optimism and humility mm -hmm. and confidence and patience, but also impatience mm -hmm. to make a difference and an impact specifically in Philadelphia for many great reasons that we've discussed and yeah. to build a team locally, attract the best talent, retain and, and coach and motivate the best talent in the Philadelphia market, work with the most impactful and best nonprofits that are here and really to be the recognized thought leader in the nonprofit, philanthropic, and social impact space. Yeah, that's great. And you've clearly embraced the advice, the guidance, the skills that have been presented to you by a variety of folks, whether it was at Penn's Wharton program or, or other experiences you've had in your career. And where I'm going with this in the spirit of our program growing greater, because we like to talk about businesses that are growing greater, but we also like to talk about individuals who are growing greater through a variety of experiences. And I want to pull back what I would call the curtain of vulnerability mm. and take us back 16 or 17 years ago, because I don't think you set out to be a fundraiser. You didn't say, you know, as a as a 15 year old or as a 25 year old that this is the journey I want to head down on, because I know you've had different career experiences before you engaged with the team at CCS. And where I'm going with all this is how did you know that what you were doing was the right path, you know, kind of when it clicked for you? It's a great question, and it's provocative in some ways and does create vulnerability in other ways, all to your point, Matt. I would say a number of things. I mean, look, I didn't know what CCS was or CCS fundraising. I had no idea what fundraising was. Mm -hmm. I really didn't understand philanthropy. I didn't know what the non 
nonprofit sector versus others. I mean, I was 18 years old, 19 years old, introduced to the idea of the firm mm-hmm. probably when I was 20, 21. That time I was in Australia. It was a family friend anyway. I worked at the really. When I got into it, I, I started learning more about the company when I was 21 and 22, and that was right around the time when it, when I then eventually signed on the CCS. But I will say, right from the start, as I started to really focus on, well, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Who are my mentors? Who's yeah. in front? Who's yeah, ahead? Where am I going what, in what, life? What, what's going yeah. on here? That just CCS always made sense to me in a simple way where the mission meets the market. CCS is a commercial entity. We're a for-profit business. All of our client partners are nonprofit institutions. So to be able to operate within a business environment and mindset and enthusiasm and appetite and to serve and to advise and to direct and to counsel and empower and inspire champions, truly champions of inspirational causes at these varied nonprofit organizations, hospitals and private schools and universities and Mm -hmm. and all the like, food kitchens, soup kitchens. It was just an incredible idea to me, a concept that I had no idea how much work it was, by the way. (laughs) I was like, all right, that sounds great. Sign me up. And then you get on your first campaign or your first project or your first client. You say, wow, this is a lot of work. And there's a lot that I don't know. And this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And I can't believe, yeah, there's an artistic side to it. And there's a heavy science side to Mm -hmm. it. There's a lot of analysis. And I actually have to be good at somewhat communications and figure out how to relate to people and command a room, which was a nightmare for me at first. I would get so nervous and have anxiety and didn't know what to say and would just you know shrivel up and, yeah. wa- and just wanted it to be and over time through that experience it's you can only fail so many times That's right. before you either leave or you figure out something else yeah, you, you just what you meant to do you adapt and then you just gain more self-awareness and assuredness as you go so the reason i bring it back to that point is because i've always felt a consistency of inspiration mm-hmm. of what the firm stands for i believe in our mission I believe that we're making a difference in the world, mm-hmm. and I believe in our future. And I have felt that truly from day one, and it's been a continual learning journey and growth journey. And to your point about vulnerability, very candidly, have had other ideas or offers or possibilities, whether it was in banking or management consulting or full-time on the nonprofit side or competing consultancies. And CCS has just always felt like home. And like any healthy relationship, it's imperfect. There mm-hmm. are challenges at times. You disagree with certain situations or people's or conclusion, and that's okay. That's all good. To me, that's part of the growth process. So I've been continually reaffirmed over the years that this is a great home, a yeah. professional home for me and for many others. That's great. And I love that where the mission meets the market. And Greg, I want to shift and ask, based on your experience in providing guidance, strategy, as organizations who are trying to fulfill their mission, is there something that you can see in a relatively consistent way where a nonprofit, a mission-driven organization kind of stumbles and just doesn't get it right, they miss the mark, or it's what I would call a kind of a, a standard hurdle mm. that these organizations have to overcome that you would suggest to others who are entering these kinds of fields to be able to be on the high alert for. You know, let's be sure to not 
step into this pitfall and here's how we can help you do that either at CCS or just in general advice that you give to a nonprofit leader who's coming into a new role of how to best manage a particular issue or situation the first thing I would advise them to do is ask for advice Mm -hmm. and that's something that if I reflected on myself at 22 or 23 and navigating my own career I would do a lot more often and I continue to think about and, and hopefully practice a lot more often now invite more perspective ask for more advice look for counsel and I think that's really important 360 degrees of a, a new leader at a nonprofit or whoever it is that you know, you're listening and seeking guidance from your board mm-hmm. and from your direct reports mm-hmm. and maybe others in the quote unquote C-suite whether it's your operating officer your financial officer your development officer really listening and engaging and asking for the advice of the donors and other city officials and leaders. And it's not just because of the old adage of, if you want advice, ask for money. If mm-hmm. you want money, ask for advice. And that's part of it too, because sure, that's gonna sure. help with the fundraising. You're inviting input, you're gaining perspective, you're encouraging and engendering buy-in and ownership along right. the process. So now people are more invested in your success. But I mean that, I'd really be open to counsel new ideas, new ways of doing things, not just best practices, but next practices, a little bit of creativity and innovation. And it does all start with the leader as it relates to nonprofit organizations, an empathetic leader, a confident leader Mm -hmm. with a great vision that can be articulated, that is built and co-created with a variety of stakeholders. So Mm -hmm. to be very much an engaging and an inclusive leader, I think that is critically important as it relates to their overall success and their performance in terms of being able to raise philanthropic capital. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. In that theme of advice, more on the personal side, you're approached by uh, a high school student. He or she is embarking on a milestone in their career. Should they go to military service? Should they take a gap year? Should they enter a trade school? Should they go to a traditional four-year college? Based on your experience, taking us back to when you were 15, 16, 17, or maybe it's somebody who's 37 and they're kind of thinking about a career change, what kind of advice and guidance do you give on that personal front? I think it changes. It very much varies depending on all the circumstances, to your point. So I'd really want to think about what is their situation, Mm -hmm. where are they, and really what are they looking to do. But as a generalized set of points, I'd probably say three things. Carefully consider your passion, Mm -hmm. know yourself and what you're really good at in terms of your talent, and have a sense of what kind of difference you want to make in the world. Where is the possibility? So passion, talent, and possibility. And I'd really reflect on that. And those don't always just so immediate or natural passions in my experience are developed over time you have a curiosity you have an interest that gains some momentum it becomes a real more than a hobby it becomes a real passion and commitment almost vocational to an extent and then along that journey you also recognize what you're good at what you're not 
Yeah. For me, I wasn't as good at accounting and finance, but I was really good at strategy and marketing. And that's okay. Yeah, to you really discover know, those along the journey. You discover those along the journey. It's not just like, all right, I have to wait until yeah. it happens. It's I would encourage people to take chances, to be truly experiential, to mm-hmm. do something is better than nothing. Right. And just think about the idea of doing something and to really factor in what is your passion, what is your talent, and where is the best growth possibility. I love that. Passion, talent, possibility. Greg, I want to shift gears again and go a little bit on the lighter side. And you've probably picked up by now that I really like the term milestone. And we all have milestone moments in our lives. Some are really good. Some are a little challenging. But I would suggest that you had a milestone moment in 2008. Kid from Long Island has an opportunity working for this company in Brooklyn who asks him to take on a new responsibility in a new town called Philadelphia, and you meet a woman who has later become your wife. If you never took that journey, that opportunity to come to Philadelphia, you would have been on a totally different career and personal trajectory than what you are today, I suspect. Would have been a disaster. (laughs) Right. So that was definitely a milestone moment, to say the least. Jenny and I have been together for over 15 years At this point, we met in January 2004, and I was assigned to the Philadelphia Project in December 2003. That was the first time. Mm -hmm. So worked with many of the high schools Mm -hmm. as part of the church community. So that was kind of the first mini moment, okay? And then for a couple of years, was back in New York and New Jersey to work with some private school campaigns. But then to your point, Matt, and good recollection on the dates too, back in 2007 and then ultimately 2008, was able to move back to Philadelphia. And we've been dating for a few years. Then Mm -hmm. we were engaged within a year of coming back and then made our plans to get married and to have kids and to buy a home and everything else that comes along with that, all the ups and downs and the joys and the trials and tribulations. And there's no looking back. It's been all good ever since. And that is probably the milestone moment. And it's integrated back to before about family and career and community and self, that all came together and who knows what would be happening right now with me if that didn't occur. So just as a point to the listeners and to others to be open to change and be open to possibility and take chances. And when you see a moment, oftentimes go for it. You have to seize it. Totally. Yeah. That's one of my lines. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) And you never know how that relationship that you stumble upon kind of innocently at a meeting, at a coffee shop, at a lunch gathering could lead to something really significant personally and professionally. And you don't know it at the time, but you reflect back on it and say, wow, if I didn't embark on this, this or this, that never would have happened. And valuing those kinds of moments to your point, if you don't go for it, you may never have them. Exactly. And look, there's this other thing about authenticity, integrity, and creativity. Mm -hmm. That if you have a pretty solid sense of who you are and what you care about and what you're hoping to make some meaningful difference about in the world, then you're that person consistently in all dimensions of your life, well, then it's okay, right? It's like you are who you are. That's right. And then you could have fun and be creative and 
play a little bit more and not everything has to be so heavy. So I just say that because you're right, you never know where things are going to lead. Yeah. And whether it's networking or whether it's net weaving or mm-hmm. connecting two people and one is a personal friend and one is from business and you think there could be an interest or a mutual beneficial opportunity between the two and you make that introduction with no real expectation that That's right. you're going to get any credit or gain. Not that you're looking for that, right. but just to kickstart that friendship or relationship. That's fun. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing to watch spawn. Helping others deliver on their mission? Greg and his team at CCS Fundraising are also delivering impact. Hey, please be sure to rate and review our podcast, share it with friends and colleagues and family, and through social media too, and be sure to check out other inspiring episodes of Growing Greater, and you can do that at radio.com, wherever you listen to your podcast, or at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. This episode of Growing Greater, it's made possible thanks to Ocean First Bank, one of the largest community-based financial institutions in the region. Ocean First Bank is poised for continued success as it expands in the greater Philadelphia market. Having completed five whole bank acquisitions in less than four years, the exciting spirit of innovation continues to define the team at Ocean First. With a focus on meeting the needs of middle market clients across the northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania community, Ocean First provides commercial and residential financing solutions, wealth management, deposit services, and so much more. Learn more at OceanFirst.com. That's OceanFirst.com. And join me in thanking Ocean First Bank for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.